You're listening to The Lively Show, episode 369. You're listening to The Lively Show. This podcast is designed to uplift, inspire, and add a little extra presence to your everyday. my friends and welcome to today's show. I am so excited as always to be speaking with you. I've been excited for this episode to flow for you. As you may know, I don't have a regular schedule for the show, although that may be changing soon, which I'll share more in a bit. But I really just kind of wait and trust for my intuition to flow, my alignment to become so. So it has just happened. I feel great. I hope you're feeling great too as you're listening to this episode. Maybe it's your, what I like to call alignment time. Maybe it's your time that you spend time with me as you're getting ready in the car, out on a walk. Those are times I love to align myself. So I hope you're having a wonderful, wonderful day wherever you are. You're probably going to be getting this episode right around the start of the new year and the last few days of the year. So that's actually also on the 27th as I'm recording this for you. But just had a really great Christmas. I hope you have as well, whatever it looked like for you. For me, there's not like a big story around Christmas anymore. Growing up, I really, really loved it. And it was much more of a traditionalist when it came to those kinds of things and traditions. But now it's just more of the flow of the moment. So I spent the dinner with my new friends here in Australia and otherwise have been just generally speaking, spending a lot of time with myself and going deeper into my own intuition's guidance for what's up for me now, which I'm excited to share with you here in this episode. So as we get started, I just want to say at the start of the call, I'm very excited for the start of the new year with IVFT. Inner Voice Facilitator Training is starting January 16th. I haven't done this training for about a year, so I'm very, very excited to be doing something that means so much to me, but also from this new expanded perspective. So as you may have heard in other episodes, I am going by Bella now instead of Jess. Jess, you can still by all means call me, but my intuition gave me the name Bella and more and more, it just feels like, it sounds weird to say, the right name for me. So it's been a journey for sure into that name. And I'll give you more details about how that has been taking shape in ways I didn't expect in some ways in a little bit. But basically, this is my first time doing IVFT in the Bella era of things. So January 16th, if your intuition feels it's a fit, very excited to work with you. We'll be doing an interview with Hana Siddiqui, who is incredible, incredible, incredible. I am blown away by getting to know her more in depth through this little process of interviewing her. You're going to hear her story. It is very special. I'm very honored that she's a part of our community and is going to be sharing with you guys soon. So if you're curious to hear a IVFT graduate's perspective, that episode will be airing shortly as well. So you can get a little feel and insight from her experience. She's incredible. just want to say that. So like I said, if your intuition feels it's a fit, you can go to jesslively.com slash IVFT. In addition, I am very excited for the start of this new year. So if you're curious in the personal development space, I don't even know where I even live in the world of content, if you will, spiritual, personal development. I don't know, intuition, 
consciousness, you name it. I use all the words. It doesn't really matter. But in this world, the new year is kind of the Christmas season is to the retail market as the new year is to the personal development market. So, and as somebody who's been a personal development junkie since I was in college, I remember looking back over the years, all the different things I did at the start of the new year. So I don't know if you're thinking about it in that way for your own uh, life, if you're doing fashion resolutions or other things along the that kind of world. I just thought I'd share a few of the things that I used to do and also what I'm doing this year as well and how it's evolved. So looking back into my previous life and all of these things in the earlier years of my journey about I don't know, probably 15 years ago, I was doing values-based intentions, which were really nice little intentions that I would set. Also, I used to do, and this is still good, honestly, if you, depending on where you're at, as some people like to say, I'm at season five of Jess. If you go back to the Lively Show and listen to where I was in my own journey, some people like to jokingly kind of associate with different seasons of where my consciousness was at and say, that's what feels like where I'm at. And this one is not quite where I'm at, or I've totally outgrown that version of Jess from back then. So wherever you are, I would say that this one was an interesting one and definitely served me well for the times that I did it. I've grown out of it now, but what I used to do, which was highly effective for that period of time, was write a letter to my future self. So this one was a really fun one. I did it for several years. It was more meaningful to me and my excitement at that time of my life than even the holidays or presents or Christmas or family gatherings. Do you name it? I was more excited to do the letter to my future self. It was something that when I was in the Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People stage of my reality, I don't know if I got the idea from Seven Habits in Stephen Covey, but I very well could have because at that time in my life, I remember he was the most prevalent figure in my personal development mind. So I don't know if I just made it up or if I got inspired by him, but I definitely want to somehow give him credit because I feel like he was such a pivotal figure in my life at that time that in my head, he feels completely connected to how I even thought to do this. So whether or not it's in the book, I can't remember, but I just want to say letter to my future self is very, very simple. I used to write letters to myself from the year ahead. So for this 2023 year, I would write a letter from January 1st, 2024. Okay, so I skipped the year and wrote it backwards. And I told myself from the future self, told my present self what I did over the year of 2023. So I would write, oh, this year I ran a marathon and I built a website and I helped such as many people and I did this, 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 and this, and I had a relationship or whatever the things were, but I would write them as though they already happened through the year that was coming ahead. That was what I used to do. And then I was so excited because every year I would then go backwards and count all the statements that were positive and actually happened and those that didn't. And what I found, I don't remember how many years, I probably did it three or five years. I don't know, somewhere in that phase in my mid-20s or so, I would find that the things that I said, yes, did happen, was about 80%, 80% of the letter. Now, I didn't write the letter thinking these are very achievable goals, and I didn't make them quote-unquote goals. I just wrote them as though they happened, and then I let it go. I just like lived my life fully. I didn't sit there looking at this letter every week, getting up, trying to make sure that it happened. I just wrote the letter and let it go, and then I would return back to the letter the following year and see, did it happen as I wrote it? And like I said, over the years, the average was about 80% of what I wrote down did occur. So there you have it. If you want to do that, I used to love it. Now I don't find it very interesting to do. 
So I don't do it, but it's really just not a interest to me. So that's why I don't do it. Just kind of like TV shows you used to watch that you don't watch anymore. It's about as simple as that. It just doesn't appeal to me. And especially during the many years of like going deep, deep, deep in myself and like 19, 20, 21, those kind of years, those things just felt way too mental for me to imagine doing. So I didn't do them or even think about them. But way back when I was much younger in the personal development days and was kind of perfecting myself, I think it even the Abraham years of me, even though I didn't do it in those years, it would have probably been something I would have liked to have considered. So if you're feeling very drawn to like manifesting and creating, I do think there's something pretty cool about writing down the things that you want to do as though you've done them and then let it go and let the life play out. And I do think a good portion of it tends to happen, at least in my own experience. Okay. But what am I doing now? Not much, to be honest. (laughs) It doesn't really matter to me. The new year is nice, but it's not like, I think I'm living in life more and more and more. It's just in the now. So whatever this chapter of now looks like, and especially it's been easy for me to focus very closely to the now because more than ever, I've been living in the now of what country or continent and part of the world I'm in. So this now moment has looked like Australia for three months, looks like somewhere else in February. So I'm kind of more in chunks or chapters that I'm thinking in the length of a year in my own reality, because I have no clue where I'm going to spend the majority of next year. But I do have a place that I have been creating for myself over, it's probably my favorite thing that happened in 2022 for me. Looking back on the year, I am shocked at where I'm at compared to the start of 2022. The end of 22, I could not have predicted in my wildest imagination. I can tell you that. I thought I'd be having children. I'd be done with my work. I'd be having kids in Portugal. (laughs) I'd be getting married or already married by now if I had written out my letter to my future self. In that case, it would have been probably a 20% accuracy rate to what I would have written in my letter if I had written it last year to this year. One of the things that has become one of the cornerstones of 2022 to me was Bella Vida. And I've mentioned hints and drops little comments about Bella Vida over the last, since August, when I started really going into it, end of July into August. Oh my God, Bella Vida. My heart's just like beating faster as I say Bella Vida. I love Bella Vida. So obviously Bella Vida is the name Beautiful Life, but I have created since August, since I got to London and actually alongside the timing of the transition out of the relationship I was in, I started creating this other non-physical reality for myself. And I did it for the pure joy of having the playfulness of my consciousness express in a new way. And I started curating this place in the non-physical reality just for myself. And it really took on a life of its own. I had no idea just by doing this purely joyful experience of creating this non-physical world for myself, how deeply satisfying it felt, first of all, on a consciousness level, expansive it felt too, because I wasn't thinking so logically and so linearly or so trapped to the 3D world that we live in here and now. I loved creating another here and another now that I can also in the eternal now and here B, I love putting my consciousness in Bella Vida. It's beautiful. I can also, like I said, it really took on a life of its own. It grew and grew and grew and took into so many facets of my life. It actually started to manifest into this reality as well, which I never would have imagined when I started playing with Bella Vida, that it would become this cornerstone for creation in this reality effortlessly 
for the most part, from that reality. I was like, oh my gosh, this is, I think in a lot of ways, along the lines without trying to be like Abraham Hicks talks about the workshop and some of their earliest material. And if honestly, I got to be in the hot seat with Abraham on the Abraham Hicks cruise this New Zealand time, I would have asked them about this Bella Vita and got to talk to them about it. But my intuition said I didn't get in the hot seat because many other people don't have the access I have to my own intuition. So for those people, they obviously can get into their intuition, but they may not know how. For them, being in the hot seat with Abraham is a really great thing for their point in their journey. So I didn't get to talk to Abraham. Abraham in this case, but I get my own inner voice and my own Bella Vita. And I talk to my own inner voice. That's one of the other things that started happening. I started communicating. I have this sofa in Bella Vita that I sit on and I speak with my human mind speaks to my inner voice. And it's just become this like quick, literal, like coffee chat with my inner voice. It's not even coffee. I don't drink coffee there. Well, I drink coffee in Bella Vita, but I don't drink coffee with my inner voice, but I could, I could start doing it that way. So far, my inner voice has not drank coffee with me, but I just want to say, Bella Vita has been incredible. And then when I was in the second half of 2022, and I was in Portugal, and I was giving away all my possessions, and even in the summer while I was creating the new world, I was transitioning out of the Jess world and all the Jess possessions and that whole reality into this new energy for myself. I started using Bella Vita, this non-physical world and reality I created for myself, to understand what elements in this world belonged to in this world based on Bella Vita in that world. I started being able to place decisions I was making here in this 3D reality into Bella Vita. And then I'd analyze from Bella Vita whether I wanted to say yes or no to this object, this possession, this relationship, whatever thing, like it could be not just like romantic relationship, anything. I could put anything there and I could assess, does this fit based on the frequencies and the feelings I was experiencing in this other reality? It was magical. So it's truly taken on a life of its own. I'm actually using Bella Vita and making another universe, which is my variation in this other world and realm for our world together, bellalively.com, which is coming to you in hopefully the first quarter of 23. I'm actually using and making another reality, just like I have for my own personal reality. I'm making a community world where I want to invite you into. And then I'm going to start extrapolating that non-physical world, which you're non-physical self can go to as well into a UX digital experience here in the physical world. So this has become such a fun, fun, fun thing. So I'm not going to be analyzing the end of the year or anything so much in this world. I'm just going to keep creating from Bella Vita. And along with all of this, since this has been so fun and so fascinating for me, I'm actually creating because of people just keep asking me, will you please do a class on this? Will you please teach us what you're doing with Bella Vita? And I hesitated for a really long time to do it too quickly because I really wanted, as I kept doing it, more and more kept coming together for me. And I wanted to share with you as fully as I could. I wanted things to feel as fleshed out and filled out and bountiful for you in terms of ideas and experiences to build upon them so that you had more than just like me at three months into it. I wanted about five or six months and that's exactly where we're at now. So I feel like it's ready, at least in this first iteration, if I keep going with it, if it keeps evolving, who knows, maybe I'll make different volumes of this and keep 
filling in. But right now I have a six week online little digital course for you. Very basic, very simple. It's going to be really fun and starting on January 1st. So you can pre-order if you're listening to this episode and it airs before January 1st, but the first week of the material will go out on January 1st and it'll be six weeks long. So if you're listening to this in March, you, you can sign up and get access to all six of them at once. But if you're coming in before or right around the first week of January, you'll be able to get one episode, one week's worth of content each week for six weeks. So it's a six-week online class. It's digital. It'll be audio, kind of like a podcast episode. But each week, you're going to get the what a topic is about and how to focus in that week to build your own version of Bella Vita. It will be your own thing, your own place, your own reality. And obviously there's no rules at this. I'm just sharing with you guys as friends how I've been doing this because as I have shared Bella Vita with my friends, they keep asking me to make a class about it. So this is me sharing what I'm doing. You can obviously take all the pieces I share, use the pieces that resonate, drop the pieces that don't, of course. But I'm going to be doing this for the first six weeks live, you know, one episode launching per week for those that join us in this first start of the class. And then it'll be available evergreen after that. And I'm going to do a Q&A as well. So the Q&A will happen somewhere. I haven't decided exactly the date, but somewhere three or four weeks, most likely it'll be into the training. I'm going to do a Q&A. So if you guys have questions, I might even wait till the end of the six weeks. You'll see on the login page, we'll have the details of when I decide to set this up. But right now I'm kind of deciding between three, four, five, six, somewhere in those weeks, I want to have a Q&A call for those that are in the first launching of Bella Vita so that you guys can ask me questions. I'll do a little hot seating coaching call situation on Zoom, and then we can have that recorded and place as an evergreen Q&A kind of element to be extra content for those that are taking the class as the evergreen goes forward. So if you join us live in the first, you can ask a question live to me or submit one if you don't get to make the live call in that first portion when we do it. And then after that, it'll be available as evergreen. So very excited. You can go over to jesslively.com slash Bella Vita, and you'll be able to purchase the, the class. Like I said, you'll get them dripped out to you one per week starting January 1st. And if you're doing IVFT, just know that this is your freebie for IVFT. So any IVFT round four people, you don't have to purchase this. This will be automatically a gift included with IVFT round four. So the coming round participants will get this, but anyone else can also just go purchase it and join us along the way this way. Okay. So very exciting. I feel really excited about Bella Vita. It's something that I've been wanting to create, but I've been really, really trusting and waiting and trusting and waiting and trusting and waiting in my intuition to guide me into the flow of that. And it seems like now is the time and how beautiful, what a fun thing to do. What a lighthearted, magical, interesting, and actually does innately manifest without me even trying or thinking that would be one of the uses for Bella Vita, but has become actually one of the most powerful ways to manifest I'm finding and in a fun way that's not geared towards it, but does kind of include it by the nature of what it can do. So, all right. Also, like I said earlier, podcasting for 2023 is very exciting. We have Life is Beautiful starting in January. So this week, I actually have a call with Ella, our team manager, to go over the applications. Thank you, everyone who has applied for Life is Beautiful. Life is Beautiful is going to be two people are going to be selected as participants to to work with me one-on-one for four months 
every other week and their episodes, their coaching calls with me are going to be aired here on the show. So you're going to be able to listen bit by bit as they grow and change their lives, as they go into their intuition, as they release any beanbags, and as they go and grow, go and grow, grow and grow. We're going to do it together as a group, but obviously through the lens of these two people and their journeys in their own lives. So I think there's so much power in when I do classes, a lot of people like watching the coaching calls with other people in the hot seat and learn from their experiences. And that's what I'm hoping that this will be able to do for those listening. So if you are new to this work and you've never done IVFT, you've never maybe even done a class with me ever before, Life is Beautiful is hopefully going to be a really great introduction, or let's say you are IVFT or you are somebody that's been a longtime listener, which many of you guys are. If you know somebody in your own world that is hard to to connect to on this level of stuff that we talk about in IVFT or in the classes, Life is Beautiful might be a series of content that might relate to some of your friends or some of the people in your life that you care about that might be on a more relatable level because the people in Life is Beautiful, or I haven't picked them yet, but the intention is to pick at least to start in this first variation, the beta version of this, people that have a beginner's level understanding of their intuition, but are not like by any means Jedi masters at this yet. So hopefully they'll be able to be relatable and also they'll be able to grow into their depth of being able to do it over this series as well. And at the end of the series, we're going to do a makeover for them on the outside as well. Because when the inside changes, I have found the outside world, the energy with which we surround ourselves with on the physical level also tends to change or shift or what we feel drawn into surrounding ourselves with often does evolve. And so I'd love to be able to celebrate this person, thank them for being along with us on the journey, obviously sharing their journey and their growth and their beanbags along the way with everyone else, I want to be able to give them a thank you with a little transformation on the outside that feels really personal and reflective of the inner work they've done in their time together so that they can see that change on the outside in some dimension of their life. So very loose intention. We'll figure out how we want to actually implement it with each person as we get to that point four months down the road. But very excited that this will theoretically be bringing you weekly podcasts here to the show again, but through these guests in the Life is Beautiful series. I also will pop in as I want to from time to time with Q&A episodes. Who knows what else? Favorite episodes. That's something that people have been asking. And I've just been loving this idea. There are times, it's not all the time that I'm like, super obsessed with curating in this reality, but it is one of my joys is curating the beauty in this reality and cultivating beautiful finds, whether it's makeup, I don't know, clothes, pottery, all the beauty of this world. My jewelry designer jeans, I think from my earlier life, you know, just feels like I love supporting these kinds of things in the world. And beauty in the world is something that's what I hold most dear to staying for. As a personal level person, I love the beauty of the 3D. And so the idea of being able to share that with you guys just feels so nice. So maybe some little episodes about my favorite things that might inspire you or just be fun to hear a little rampage of appreciation on things that bring me a lot of joy. Maybe that will be something that could bring a discovery to you wherever you are in the world, maybe help you out. Okay, so that is my updates on Bella Vida, IVFT, Life is Beautiful, 
in personal world, turning a personal lens. <sighs> man, it has been a little bit of a time, man. I did the New Zealand Abraham Hicks cruise. That might be the last episode, if my memory serves, that you have heard in a way from the episodes on the show so far. I have done a little visa overview with a visa agent here in Australia. And so it seems at this point in time, as I record this episode, it seems like there's no possible career visa for me to stay. I'm not a partner visa, or at least not yet anyway. If anyone knows any Aussies I might hit it off with, let me know. But uh, in the meantime, I haven't had a visa flow. I think I could get probably a graduate degree, MBA kind of thing, but I don't feel like doing an MBA. I'd rather be putting my energy into serving you guys in new and higher ways. So I'd rather be focusing there than trying to study something that I arbitrarily wouldn't study otherwise. So it does look like for now, at least, Australia is not my next place of of living, which is fine. I actually, having been here, feel like it is so satisfying to be able to spend a few months here, to be in the beautiful weather, to see it again after three years, and also to feel like, though I do love it, and I could definitely see it becoming a place that I spend much more time with in the future, I don't know that it needs to be my base for right now. So after the end of the about like 80 or so days of being here, I'm going to flow on to, can you guess? Give you a second to guess. Where do you think I'll go next? It's not America. It's not Portugal, even though I do still have the visa for Portugal. London. I'm going back to London. So I'm not going on to Cape Town. I'm not going on to Bali. Those are other places that I have also spent previous years of travel in too. But London in February. Can you believe it? I'm going to London in February. This is a time I don't think I've ever been to London in February. But I will be going for early February, March, possibly April. And I'm going to go there and see what happens with a visa. Now, I'm saying this right even before I even go. (laughs) This will be the third attempt in my life of going with the intention to get a visa for London. I tried to do this in 2018. And on the way, the day I was leaving for London, I had a two-day layover in Detroit. And someone I knew sent me a property listing while I was waiting to basically go to the airport in Detroit. And I ended up buying that condo in Detroit. And so instead of living in London at that time, I ended up getting the condo in Detroit. And so that kind of delayed or was a pivot out of London for me in that period of life. Then during 2020, I was in Hawaii at Dear Dory's guest house in Hawaii for four and a half months. And I was like, all right, this I can't just stay in Dory's guest house forever. This is going to have to change. I'm going to have to go somewhere. Where do I go? I think I'm just going to go to London. I went during the middle of the pandemic, like time where not a lot of people were traveling, but the UK had a two week lockdown in your house, like a quarantine in the house, but you are allowed to enter. So I went to the UK, I did the two week lockdown. And then on week three, after I was not locked out anymore, I went around and I had a day with two friends who said the same sentence to me while I was in London. They said in 2020, they said, you know, the easiest visa to get in Europe is Portugal. They both said the same sentence and they were not even together. They don't even know each other. But that day they said the same sentence. And that was the day I decided to call my friend in Portugal, got a visa lawyer and moved to Portugal. So that was my second attempt in London that became Portugal. So let's see (laughs) what happens with this one. I have no idea, but I do feel pretty relaxed. Like I do love London. I absolutely loved it this summer. I connected more than ever before with London. Like I really, really, really loved London. And to be honest, 
when I first got to Sydney, I was like, I think I liked London more. And even though I wouldn't want the weather all the time, the idea of being in London and maybe having the base to do work from when I teach IVFT and stuff to be on some trips here to Australia so I could do the wonderful summer weather and time zone that's really wonderful to teach from rather than the UK European time zone a few times a year seems like a great fit. Even when I was coming with the intention to see if I could get a visa for Australia, I was still hoping that I could have that split time. Like I would go to the summer in London. So maybe I'll do the reverse. Maybe I'll leave the winter of London for here. We shall see. All I know is that the flow will be the flow. So these are all just mental ideas, but we'll see what really happens. But that's where I'm going next. So if anyone knows any visa people in London, let me know. In the meantime, also what I've been doing personally is spending a lot of time with myself up in the clouds. I'm on floor 15 of a high rise and I have a stunning view. If you follow me on Instagram, I'm sure you've seen it. I love, love, love this flat. I feel like I'm floating above the world, just in the clouds, just kind of here, but slightly removed, kind of like Bella Vida. I'm like in the half physical, half non-physical world. And I really, really cherish it. I'm spending a lot of time talking with my friend, Jess. By the way, my emotional support person we joke about. Well, both of us are like each other's, I don't know, asexual partners or like, I don't know. We're really just really, really close friends. And we have just had so many epic conversations, chats, move so much energy. I've really been so thankful for our relationship. And also I think she's going to come on the show soon. So I think you got to meet my wonderful, wonderful friend soon. We'll see how that flows. But we have a topic that we have both been growing into awareness of. And I think it would be really fun to share with you guys because I think a lot of people could relate to the subjects and the experiences we've been having. So let's see if that flows. But either way, that's what I've been doing here. And along with that, I've been still integrating into the Bella world. So letting the old energy of Jess, obviously possessions and stuff like that were divested in Portugal. So that was really great. I love how my possessions suit me so well for my now and feel like they're all connected and cohesive with Bella Vita, which is so fun, but on physical reality. I've also, though, been noticing through the observation of the flow of my reality that part of Bella, this is so interesting for humans, was clearing the digital spaces as well, not just the physical possessions, but the digital possessions. That was something I hadn't really thought about before. So because humans haven't had digital spaces and content and like lives on the internet in most cases for many years, I mean, this is rather what last 10, 20 years of our lives of humanity to have digital spaces that also not just getting rid of the personal possessions, but the digital ones. I made a new email address for myself and we'll be getting the new website and stuff like I mentioned. So that'll be a big piece of this too. When the company goes Bella, so to speak, when that'll be cool. Like that'll be a really big icing on the cake. But even personally, my personal digital possessions, I made the new email address. And I think what I'm going to do is have an old inbox that is my old stuff and make this new inbox and have essential emails forwarded over to this new inbox, but really live from a new space. Before even doing that, I went to make the Bella email and had it forwarded at first to my existing personal inbox. And in it, as I was doing that, I was just kind of fluffing. I call it fluffing. It's like organizing, curating, pruning, releasing, deleting, that kind of stuff. I was doing it. I have a really light digital load, I would say, overall of stuff, 
But I went into this folder called Fun Stuff, which I have had that label in my inbox since like 2008 when I graduated college. That's how long I've had this inbox. And I went into it and realized that that folder was just this thing that I put the odd email or message or photos sent to me by family, and I realized how much was in it. There was about 77, 140, something like that, messages. There was stuff from my old in-laws. There was stuff from my college boyfriend. There was pictures from my high school years, moving into college, so many things. And I did send a few of the pictures to my brother and mother, that I thought they would like, like pictures of our dog and old house and stuff like that. Of course, they had sent them to me originally, so they still have access to all these photos, but I had just seen them again for the first time in years, sent some over, and then I started deleting. I just was like, I could keep this stuff. There's obviously no physical space to be dealt with, but energetically... This is not going to be <laughs> relatable for maybe a lot of people, but I thought it would be worth sharing because if I didn't share it, I don't know. I think there might be some people that might find this nice to hear, I guess. I don't know who, but I'm just going to say it in case it's useful. For me, at this stage of my journey, I realized that it was nice to look at them all. I had no idea they were even still there. I deleted all of this stuff from the past, but these photos, and actually some of them were emails from my grandpas that have passed away and an uncle that passed away. So I even saw some of that stuff and I was like, oh, it was so lovely to see the letters because I'm not like sad that they transitioned. I just hadn't seen these letters they wrote me 10 years ago. Thank you letters to birthday presents and that kind of thing. And I realized even though it was lovely to see them again for the first time in 10 years, I didn't need to look at them regularly. And it didn't mean that having not seen them for the last 10 years, it didn't make me love them any more or less to have them in that folder. Obviously, I didn't even remember they were in the folder in the first place until I looked, but I just had this feeling of clear the desk out. Like what? Remember and trust that all of the love and all of the wisdom of the experiences is gathered and living through and to and within me. So I don't need to have these physical reminders and even the photos of me in those earlier years. I don't need the actual reminder. I can live in my now fully. And it's actually, for me at least, speaking personally, I think it's easier to just focus on the now and be in the now and let go of all the old things and trust that those old things had their place in my life and had their priority and have done their purpose, but I can move forward in my new now. I can't say that I would do this at any earlier stage of my life. I can't say that I would do this if I had... I don't even know if I had um, children. I'm not saying I would get rid of all their baby pictures by any sense. I did even save, actually, personally, my great-grandmother holding me as an infant photo. I found that one in there. And I did keep that one because I don't think I have another way to access that photo unless it's in my parents' house. So I was like, you know what? That one was, was nice to save. I saved it on my computer. I still deleted the email. So there was like one or two things that I did feel lovely keeping. But... For the most part, if I'm quite honest, I was like, I don't need to look at this to remember that I love my grandpas. I don't need to look at this to remember that I loved my cousins. Like, I don't need to look at this stuff to know about the love that was shared. The object themselves are no longer necessary. I can just move forward and be in my now and let all the rest of the the stuff go. In addition, I had a Dropbox account. And for some reason, it's just like, I never use it, but I saw that it was coming up for renewal. It's going to charge me 120 bucks. But even without that, I was just like, didn't even know if there's a cost to it. But once I found that, I was like, certainly this is going now. I was like, you know what? We never use this. We use Google Drive for our team and all of our active stuff is there. But some earlier point in my life, 
back probably 2015, I had this Dropbox account. And so I've been paying for all of this space, but never using it for the last seven years. So who knows? Have I spent $1,000 on space that I'm not even using regularly or referring to? There were wedding photos from my wedding when I was younger. There was stuff from my early, early years of blogging and my first classes I've ever taught. And you know what I had the courage to do? I just let it go. I deleted the account. I didn't even download the wedding photos. I do think some of them are in a private account thing on Facebook, like they're in the Facebook profile. Ooh, that'll be edgy though. If I just deleted my Facebook, ooh, I'll say delete the account, but like delete old photos. I don't know. I don't, I don't go to it enough, but like, I guess there is like a way to reference some of the pictures from the wedding there, but I certainly didn't need to save them on my $120 a year Dropbox account that was so old and ancient. So I cleared that space. And so I just want to share that in case any of that's useful or inspiring or reflective for some people. For you, obviously, do what sparks you joy, what expands you the most. For me, this sparked the most joy and expansion in me. Declare the digital spaces as well. But yeah, that was something that I didn't really predict would be so special, was to actually go through the digital life of myself and just kind of update, clean out, let it go, distill it all to wisdom and move forward. So there you guys have it. I actually did a little thing. Let us see if, let's see if we have any questions. I did, oh my God, we have 10. (laughs) Okay, so I, before recording this 36 minutes ago, did a little call out on Insta Stories and said, hey, if you have any questions that you want me to answer on the show, kind of a hybrid episode, go for it. There's 10 of them. Okay, so let's see if I could rapid fire go through all of these. All right, we say, what's your favorite Bella realization? For now, let's leave the Bella realization, actually Bella Vita, creating this world through the lens of Bella Vita is probably overall my very, very favorite thing. Um, But secondary to keeping only possessions that feel like Bella Vita here, but second to that is the email stuff I think I just shared, letting go of the old in that way. Now we have Tammy Ross Roberts who said, do you use inner voice to select the apartments you stay in? It seems like you find the most beautiful places. Yes, I would say I definitely use my inner voice for the apartments in the sense that I look for things that truly spark joy. Truly, truly, truly. I love beautiful places and I try to find ones that spark the highest joy in myself and I trust in the flow. So yes, I do. My mind doesn't go to my inner voice and say, should I choose this one? Like I just go for what lights me up on the inside. But usually what lights me up on the inside is quite beautiful on the outside. And that's what I love about the beauty of life. When you get the inside right, the outside falls into place, like Eckhart Tolle says. So for me, I really do love the expression of beauty in my homes. Okay, we have two questions from breakup coach Dorothy, who said, how do you make big life decisions, like trying to find out if I should buy a house? Is it as simple as asking the inner voice a question, yes or no? Love and appreciate you. Yes, I do if I feel the need to ask for inner voice answers. Yes. I remember once there was a property in Detroit that I was going to purchase and I was going to go see this one that a real estate agent had sent me over. And it looked in the pictures like a place that I would like. So I was excited to see it. And she mentioned there was another place on a different street I should also look at. But my mind had seen the photos of the first one and was very focused on the idea of being in the first one. But as I was walking, because I was physically walking to the first location... I heard my inner voice say as I was walking. Now, I didn't ask Dorothy. I didn't even ask my inner voice, but I heard in my inner voice without even asking the question, 
no, no, no. I had this knowingness. Let's put it that way. No, no, no. This is not the one it's going to be. And then as I was walking by this other street, Watson Street, I heard this yes, but on the way. So, okay. Let me describe this better. So from point A to point C, I had to cross. So point A is where I left. And I crossed point B to go to apartment number one, which is point C down the street. It's the furthest part. As I passed the street that the other property was on, my intuition was saying, yes, 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 to that street. But my mind was attached to the further location down the street I was going to first. So I went the furthest one away and I could tell my intuition didn't want it before I even got there. And it did want the other one that was option two that I was going to see. And that was the closer one to where I was coming from. And so once I got to the first location that was further away, I could just tell, like once I was there, I forget what was wrong with it, but it just wasn't right. I forget the details of what made it not right. But then I said, okay, let's go see Watson, which is (laughs) what my intuition had said in the first place. And it turned out to be perfect. So that's the other thing I can say is that that property, Watson Street, was the right one for the time it was the right one. So what I've also learned is like, you know, Portugal was right for the time Portugal was right. This property in Watson was the one I was supposed to be, but guess what? I never even ended up living in either property in the end. I spent about a year and a half waiting for that property to work out and then it didn't. And I ended up in London of all places, always go back to London. So it was the property to go for of the two that I was looking at. It was designed and locationally the better one that I would have loved more. But what I loved even more than having that property at all was not even being in Detroit. So that one was the right one for the right time, just like Portugal was the right one for the right time. So yes, I can get that guidance and important life decisions. But just remember also with that, that the right one's the right one until it's not the right one anymore. So just because I was going to go for that other property, I chose the right property to go for, but staying in Detroit was not the right decision eventually at all. It didn't even get me stuck with that property because ultimately I'm much happier traveling the world than being just in Detroit. And that was the pivotal moment once that property didn't work out in the last final moments of like a year and a half later that I let go. And I just said, maybe this is a sign I'm not supposed to be in Detroit anymore. And I let it all go. And that has been a really wonderful choice. I've never once looked back and gone, God, I wish that property worked out. Not after all that's happened to me since. So yes, it is the right one for the right time. It may not even fully eventuate like Atlas is the right partner for that time, but it wasn't the right partner for the rest of time. It was the right one for that now moment, just in the now. Is the Sydney, it's right for right now, but it may not be right come February. Does that make sense? So yes, it guides, but also things may not stay put in any permanent state that the mind might want. Another question she has is, I'm going through a huge unraveling. Four months ago, I had everything my mind would want to have, baby, fiance, home travel. In the matter of four months, I've lost it all. How do you live day-to-day in life moments where the mind feels complete devastation? Very interesting time, Dorothy. Very interesting time. This is a huge opportunity to go into your intuition and find the peace inside of yourself because you're not gonna get any peace with all of that duality changing so abruptly. There's no way the mind's just gonna be hunky-dory about all four of those things changing. So trying to have peace from the level of the mind will probably be damn near impossible for almost all of those areas. But the peace inside of you is 
on the inside, not on the outside of any of these four objects. So the inner voice, and I forget, Dorothy, if you've done IVFT, I forget. I know you've done a lot of our classes, but I'm trying to place if you've done Cocoon or if you did which classes exactly, because I do know Dorothy personally, guys. Uh, She's done hot seating with me before, but I can't remember in what classes. But if you haven't done IVFT, I'm not trying to do a plug for Dorothy specifically, but that kind of deep, 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 consistent connection to your inner voice is the most powerful way to understand why this is actually all okay. It's not okay on the level of the mind. And I have loads of compassion for how your mind might be reacting to all of these changes. And all of them will be completely understandable from the level of the mind. And at the same time, I hold that there is a place in you that is peaceful through all of it and has a wiser understanding on why all of it changed. So going inward, even if you haven't done IVFT, Dorothy, or if you have, going to do an inner voice session. If you've done IVFT before, find a buddy through IVFT that you've, you're have your friends with from the round you did it with and do some deep inner voicing and beanbagging. Of course, you have probably a lot to release out of all of that. And if you haven't done it, feel into whether doing an inner voice session with somebody would be good. There's a whole list of facilitators you could work with on our website so you can be guided there. Or if your intuition wants to do IVFT, I mean, that's also the deepest uh, experience of the most consistent amount of time and releasing I could possibly imagine you'd have. But always, if you have a buddy, go to your buddy from a previous round you've worked with or find maybe somebody that you connect to and just spend some time having somebody hold space for you if it's hard to do on your own right now because the mind might have so much to go through. It might need the help of someone holding space for you. Okay, now we have CC Page who said, Hi, Jess, when others are going through challenges, can you talk about observing, not participating, experiencing mind tension around boundaries and taking over responsibility? I know, I know, I will do my best to listen to my inner voice. Thank you for any feedback. Yes. Okay, so of course, as she knows, I'm gonna say, go into your inner voice. True, go into your inner voice. (laughs) Remember that. So when it comes to others' challenges, don't participate in the mind tension around boundaries and taking over responsibility. Yes, you have, you can't solve anyone else's problems for them. Even if you come in and rescue, quote unquote, because they, let's say, are calling you for money and you give them money, right? Like, so that's like an example of somebody's pattern and their challenges and they come to you. Taking responsibility and giving them the money is not going to help them get rid of that pattern of the lack of money. That's going to continue to play out with somebody else or with you again and again in the future until they learn that pattern can be changed and until they stop playing a victim to something in their life they perceive as outside of themselves. And that's actually what I want to share with Jess in my little buddy podcast with you guys is understanding this idea of victimhood and playing out the story that our lives are so terrible because of other people or other situations outside of ourselves. That's a very common thing to do very common in mass consciousness, especially. And catching it can be quite tricky to do because the victim energy inside of us doesn't want to be seen as a victim. It has a very logical explanation and loads of reasons why it's not. But you can still participate and even take over the responsibility, but you won't change their pattern. Does that make sense? So somebody wants and comes to you for money, you can give them money, but they're going to still run out of money another time with someone else in another place or come back to you. It's not solving the energy pattern that they have inside of themselves in the first place. So that's where taking boundaries, as you're talking about tension around boundaries, you can let that boundary be crossed if you want, but just know that even by doing that, you're not helping them. 
Okay, let me let that sit. By giving them the money, let's say in this example, you're not helping them because you can give it to them now, but it's it's not gonna change their need for our money in the future. I've, I'm thinking of Jesus and the teach them to fish, don't give them the fish. If you give them the fish, that's not, <laughs> they're still gonna need more fish from somebody else or from you again in the future. doesn't mean also that you're gonna be the one to therefore need to teach them how to make money, but the boundary, whether you hold it or not, isn't going to actually help them in the very long run. Sure, it might solve that conversation with them it may make that moment or week or month in their life better, but it's not gonna be the thing that changes their energy vibration in this area of perceived lack in the first place. It's going to continue because the vibration's already active in them. So this is very familiar for anybody that's RTT hypnotherapy subconscious will keep playing it out in different realms and different relations or like relationships can end, but then people will find similar dynamics and other relationships later because their energy is still matching that pattern. So just know letting your boundaries be there or not doesn't actually change them. It just makes you more unhappy as you let your boundaries be crossed. Okay, so that's kind of nice. Okay, I could give money. I don't have to give money. Either way, it's not going to change their dynamic that's at a state of dysfunction in their life. Okay, so I can't actually help them in this one decision and actually change the future of their life. So I can say yes or no, and I'll feel good or bad based on my decision I make. But you have to be willing to either lose your own respect or their respect for you, right? If you don't respect your own boundaries, they'll probably love and think you're super nice, but you're not going to respect yourself if you don't let your own boundaries be upheld. Does that make sense? It's so interesting. I had an experience this year where I realized, personally, I don't want to get too into the details of it, but I realized if I did one thing, I could theoretically kind of lose respect from other people. But if I didn't do it, and no one, those other people wouldn't know the reason for which I did what I did, but if I didn't do what I did, I would have lost respect on the inside for myself because I knew what I deserved. I knew how I showed up. I knew I didn't do anything. But if I took the action I felt intuitively was the right and honorable thing for my own boundaries, my own well-being, my own love for myself because I deserve the best and I showed up the best in my own way in the scenario but was taken advantage of, if I didn't respect myself or making a choice, even if others never understood why, I knew that it would feel worse to lose my own respect than the potential misunderstanding and therefore respect of others. <laughs> and so for me, it's not worth disrespecting my own boundaries within myself because you lose a little bit of yourself, connection with yourself. You have to love yourself enough to honor yourself. They don't have to. They can try to take advantage of you all day long, but you are the only one that allows that to happen or not. And you deserve to have those boundaries and respect in yourself. Even if they don't, you can still love yourself that much. It's a choice you have to make and be willing to have other people not think you're great or very nice or very agreeable, but that isn't about them. It's about what are you going to live with on the inside? So that's my personal perspective on it. But of course, your inner voice will be able to guide you as well. Okay, now we have Amanda who says, how do you know if it's depression versus a dark night of the soul? I see others like you flowing to new experiences and finding joy in life. But most days, if I didn't have to go to work or something pressing to do, I feel lost and just want to lie in bed. I've definitely had many years of heavy cocooning, as we shall say, that was what I would probably say is the dark night of the soul. And I never felt it was depression. For me, and I don't even know if I've ever, 
identified with the concept of depression or having had it personally is what I mean. I've never, what I would say, have had depression. So I can't speak to what that experience would be like because I don't know that I've ever had it. But I would say the dark night of the soul to me was a deep state of releasing a lot of what wasn't serving me anymore. And there was enough awareness in me as I went through it to releasing it. Let's say it was beanbags after beanbags after beanbags. One day I just spent like the whole day on the ground, on the rug, on my back, releasing beanbags. It was like five big beanbag releases in one day. It was intense. It was a few years of really big intensity. And to other people, they might have knowing never had that experience, they might say, oh, that looks like depression. And I didn't look very happy. I didn't look super vivacious by any means. If you go to my Instagram highlights for inner selfies, you'll see I share pictures from that time and you can just see it on my face. Like, I was a bit of a mess. But I knew it wasn't depression. I knew it was releasing unbelievable amounts of stuff that I didn't even know I had to release. (laughs) And I used to feel all joyful and happy and bubbly. And then I went into that. And then I came out the other side of it. So I had enough awareness to know it wasn't depression. So I would guess if it's a dark night of the soul, it probably doesn't feel like depression because I had enough awareness to know what I was experiencing was more of an inner guidance to releasing than it was depression. I also had a feeling of, and I don't know how people that are depressed inwardly experience it because I haven't necessarily had it, but I can say that even in some of my other periods of time, I always felt like I wanted to die, but not because I felt life was too hard. It was because I was too ready to leave and be bored with what this is. And that is a very different energy to wanting to die than somebody that maybe feels like life is too hard. And I do think that there's a deep knowingness inside of all of us that this reality is the hard part and the other side is not. I know there's a huge, huge questioning in the mind about what the heck happens on the other side. So I definitely understand there's no like, you know, mental, total, understanding of anything. But I think there is a deep, deep knowingness that when this gets so, so, so hard and people choose to exit because it's too hard, there's kind of this knowingness there is an out button, that this is an optional reality, not the only reality. And this is where the duality experience is had. This is, as Abraham Hicks says, the leading, bleeding edge. So on the other side, it doesn't mean you're going to resolve the issue permanently. So probably karmically come back on in to go through it again, to resolve whatever you felt was too hard. But I think there is this kind of like a timeout and sense if it gets too hard that you can come back. But for me, I was just wanting to leave. I was just kind of done with this reality. I was done having physicality. It wasn't hard. It was boring. And that, again, very different energy than what I think I would imagine somebody that's depressed isn't bored with their reality. They're probably feeling overwhelmed and drowning in this reality. And so I'm not saying depressed people try to kill themselves or think about that necessarily. Some of them probably do. Some of them probably don't. So it's not always or never for this case. But I do think there was a difference for me that made me feel very deep, heavy things, but they were never to the point where this reality at the duality level was actually too hard. Going beyond this reality, duality was the hard part. Going through all the beanbags and releasing the emotions and seeing through them was challenging for the mind, but it certainly wasn't like just being depressed. It was being challenged to let go of everything that was not serving me any longer to hold on to. So hopefully that explains my perspective on it, Amanda, but that's the best I have for that experience, at least with with what's coming up in my mind right now to share. Favorite places in Mexico. Oh my gosh. 
I don't remember all the locations in terms of the stuff to do. That would be too <laughs> hard for my memory to go back into like certain locations, but of spots and restaurants and hotels. But I can say, locationally speaking in Mexico, San Miguel de Allende, Puerto Escondido, Sayulita, but really San Pancho outside of Sayulita were all favorite places in Mexico City. My brother right now is in Mexico City himself. He loves it so much. He might even move there. We'll see what he does. But Mexico City is amazing too. Okay. Sophia says, when things don't go as you hope for, despite your inner voice giving you the nudges it would, how do you surrender and still trust your inner voice? I love this question, Sophia. And I know Sophia, she's IVFT grad. I know inner voice with Sophia is very good and she's had a lot of practice with it. So I would say this, and I've actually had this happen to me once. Oh, I had this happen to me. And then I remember... I heard yes to a guy here in Australia. I was supposed to come see if it would work out and it didn't work out. And I was at that time a few years ago wrecked because I still wasn't as great as I am now. Obviously you keep improving at the inner voice, but I was really wrecked by the trust of that because I did hear a yes and it didn't work out. And so once I remember after that, I had an amazing connection to an inner voice with one of my clients. I was doing the inner voice sessions that became the training for IVFT. I was doing these sessions and that was like getting me ready to create IVFT but I didn't even know I was going to create IVFT in the most one session. And that's one of the things I love about inner voice sessions is you get so much insight, even from the wisdom of the inner voices that you work with your clients. But I had a really, really clear inner voice. And I just started asking questions on so many topics that the woman was able to allow through her. In this one session, I said, how can you get a yes when it's really a no to a situation? So I literally asked this question, Sophia, and I love the inner voice answer. It said it was on the way to a yes to a bigger yes. So if you got a yes and this thing doesn't work out, this thing is on the way to the yes. So it's like the stepping stone that gets you to where you're going. So it was meant to go that direction for that point in time. Even that place I just mentioned earlier in the Q&A with, should I go to this apartment? And it said not to the first one, yes to the second one, but even the second one didn't work out. I was still meant to go through that second one instead of the first one. Because let's say the first one did work out, then I'd be stuck in Detroit. But I needed to go through the second one to not get stuck in Detroit. And now if I had gotten stuck in Detroit, it wouldn't have maybe been stuck. I could have sold the place or something. But it was actually in that whole evolution of that situation that it helped me let go of Detroit in the first place. And I'm much happier not being in Detroit at all. So I could have left it in another way or another form. But I think that the way that her voice explained it was so beautiful. It was just a yes on the way to more yeses. And that person here that I dated was a yes in that he actually got me to leave Detroit in the first property that I had. He was the reason that I left the property or I still would have been there. And instead I was meant to keep traveling. And so his invitation for me to come back to Australia and see if it would work out, even though it didn't work out, and I'm super happy it didn't work out in the now long run, I'm like, oh gosh, it could have worked out, but I'm happy it didn't. But it got me out of the apartment. It kept me traveling, kept me getting into myself. Whatever happened, Sophia, is a yes on the way to whatever you are wanting. That's the answer, at least from the inner voice. And it feels so good. It feels so true, at least from my own experiences. But it's so hard for the mind to have so much compassion because when you're that attached potentially to something happening and it doesn't, 
it's devastating until you've had a lot more experience that later shows you how all these other experiences that come after it show you you would have wanted more than what that thing was anyways. Okay, now we have Aaron S. who said, my meditation practice involves guided meditation from an app. What's a good way to transition to unguided silent meditations? Great question. I would say as a transition, I would try this. This is one of my favorite things to recommend to people when I do coaching with them in the hot seat, in classes and stuff. Lay on your bed or get super, super comfortable. You don't have to be fully flat, but the idea is get super comfortable and relaxed as if you're laying. Have your hands open so your palms are facing the air, are facing the ceiling. Bring your awareness into your toes and into your fingers and feel if you can feel the tingles and how much tingles you can feel and how far up your hands and up your feet you can feel the tingles and anywhere else in your body. So get super, super still and feel the tingles. That is my favorite silent meditation personally, because over time, the feeling and perception of borders and boundaries or touching the bed or touching your clothes or having a body altogether, the more you practice that, the more you'll be sensing into the perception of no separation. But you do it through the fingers, through the toes, through the tingles, and then out, and it just kind of eventually become a area of awareness or a bubble of awareness that goes beyond your body and isn't tied just to the body, but you go through the body, through the fingers, through the toes, and then up and out. So there you go. That's my suggestion. Now we have Gian. Hi, Gian. Uh, I really love seeing Gian in our recent hot seat, IVFT for free. Thank you so much for showing up for us. Okay, you're going to be my last question. It looks like a long one. Okay, I'm realizing that it's hard to experience reality as it is without attachment to an identity. I keep finding myself as the experiencer and my attachment to the human eye keeps me in the role of the curator and receiver of my reality. But I'm feeling called to go beyond this, simply be a part of the reality, not the one observing or receiving it. How do I surrender myself further? Any suggestions on going beyond the I that is my character? I can't seem to be able to drop it all completely. Okay, Gian, I love this question. It's a very advanced question, but thank you for asking it because I love this. Okay, one of the things that I feel was very pivotal for me in this experience that he's talking about is dropping the choice to change or manipulate your emotions. Okay, Gian? So I know you've studied Abraham. I know a lot of people have. And this is not going to suit most people. This is very geared towards people that are asking the question that Gian shared. And if what he said sounds weird, this is probably not the answer for you yet then. But what he said, Gian, my suggestion is this. If you want to go further and drop more, drop the emotional scale. So drop the decision to try to pick the higher, better feeling emotion. Now, I'm not saying we wear some painful clothes and be miserable and eat your least favorite foods. What I'm saying is stop trying to manipulate emotion to feel better. So if your emotions are high, they're high. If they're low, they're low. Let the emotional control go and just observe the emotions. Just the observe the emotions. Don't try to push the pendulum of the emotions high. Don't try to get them away from low. Just let them flow exactly as they do without any interference from the mind. Just watch the emotions. If you're going to be miserable for a whole day, let the mind be miserable for the whole day. Don't even try to change it. Don't even try to beanbag it. Don't even try. Just watch and let the emotions, let without any inhibition or control, let the emotions be what they are. Obviously, you don't have to go have road rage if you're feeling angry. Don't go projecting the emotions onto other people as much as you know you can. So it's kind of like having your emotional hygiene uncontrolled, but it doesn't have to be raging at other people here. And also going inwards. So the more time 
you spend on your own, the less the identity needs to reinforce itself. So that's the other thing too you could do, Gian. Spending more time alone as much as within your you know flow of your life and dropping the emotional scale. Don't push the pendulum, let it ride and just watch. When I did this for, I forget if it was a few days or weeks, but I was doing this in Hawaii, hardcore before a big shift in realization for myself. I noticed that it was much easier for my emotions to swing irritated or kind of neutral or negative. (laughs) And then every now and then it would just catapult out of almost the blue into like a really high, high, like blissy moment, but it wouldn't last as long. It was easier for the uncontrolled emotion to just kind of swing without any effort at all made to like neutral to a little bit low, not like depressed or anything super negative, but it was like not nearly as happy as like when I was aligning and stuff like that. It doesn't mean you have to do it forever again, but it's something that you can do right now if you're really wanting to be the receiver of your reality. Like you're saying, if you're feeling that call, dropping your emotional effort in and being alone are the two best suggestions I have. Okay. We only have two left. Let's just go for it guys. Okay. Isabella said, Bella, have you been, I've been loving your jewelry posts. Any tips on selecting jewelry from the intuition? Oh, whatever sparks the highest joy. That's what I would say. Whatever sparks the highest joy. I love jewelry. And as you guys know, I probably, I was a 14 year long jewelry designer. So that's something I've got a lot of experience with curating, designing, and now I've been an avid collector. I love collecting jewelry so much more than I love having a jewelry company. It's still a joy, but it's much more pleasurable to collect it than it is to create it all. As far as the jewelry from the intuition, it reminds me, the question reminds me of The Collective, who's been on the show a few years back uh, with Annie Francoeur as the channel. The collective said, they used the actual kind of a jewelry example, kind of. They said, if you go into a store and you see a big diamond the size of a skating rink and it brings you so much joy when you look at it and you could buy it and then put it in your cupboard when you go home and look at it only when you're alone and you just love it, love it, love it. You're wearing it and you or you look at the stone and then you put it back in the drawer and you don't have to wear it out in the public or anything, but you just love the joy of looking at that object totally by yourself. That's a reason to buy the object. If you're getting the diamond the size of a skating rink, they said, you get it so that other people can see you wearing it. You're getting it for the joy that it gives you when other people see you wearing it and for what it means to them to see you wearing it. And that's not a reason to buy the big diamond. So they said the diamond as the analogy, and actually they were using that as an analogy for my classes. I think that's what they had said. They said it for like, if people are taking, let's say IVFT or a Joe Dispenza course or an Abraham Hicks cruise because of how the community that they're a part of will look at that or receive that information, that's not the time or reason to join the course. They should only join it if it's for their own intimate, innate pleasure. Of course, you can still be social and stuff, but they were saying that you want to join and do everything because there's a deep fulfillment in yourself for having the object or the class or the experience. So I would say that that's probably the best reason for jewelry too. Um, But yeah, for me, it's just whatever I love. And I love wearing my jewelry for myself. Like I, and I love putting outfits together. Um, And I love sharing the sense that by wearing it out in the public, like it's like being a walking piece of art. (laughs) I know that sounds crazy, but it's like literally so much joy for me because especially while I'm traveling, I don't really have, I mean, I guess I could have big oil paintings or start being an artist in some 
big scale paintings or something, but it just doesn't naturally flow for me. But one of the things I can be creative and expression filled in is my jewelry and my clothing and my makeup. That was also a phase that my consciousness went through. The love of playing with makeup and formulas and looks and refining it. I think it's definitely been a deep joy for me to play with not just jewelry, but then blending that. And obviously I've always loved homes too, but then expressing that not just in jewelry and homes, but also outfits and makeup and what is it going to be? Hair. That's what I've been getting better at as well. So yes, doing things that bring you joy. And then as you play with jewelry, for me, I find I like investing usually 95% of the time in at least gold fill or above. For me, I've never said this. <laughs> if I ever do a, maybe a favorites podcast and I bring up jewelry, I'll mention it. For me, the way that there's a lot of like British jewelry designers doing gold vermeil, which is uh, sterling silver plated in gold. To me, they're going into a more 24 karat gold looking gold, which is a very, very warm gold. And my skin tone leans more neutral to cool. So technically my skin in a light gold, like a 14 karat softer gold, nine karat even, but like 14 karat gold look or gold fill look is very kind of still soft gold, kind of like almost more silverly toned than 24 karat gold that has a more orangey yellow, yellow tone to it. Because of my coloring, I really like that softer gold. And a lot of the Monica Vinators and other designers in most cases, not all, but most of them tend to skew a little bit too warm for my actual color tone to look good in. If you have warm skin tones though, or especially if you have like really caramely skin tones would look great in 24 karat gold. And so I think that's why in part, I don't know that that's the reason at all, but it's just like, it's so fitting that India has so much 24 karat gold because the coloring of that skin tone is so beautiful with such a warm tone. But for me, it tends to be gold fill. And I really wish actually, I don't know why, America, when I was a jewelry designer, had gold fill, which is so nice because it's so much cheaper than solid golds or 14 karat golds. And it's more durable than vermeil or gold plating. And it can be that softer gold. So for me, if I was in America, I'd be looking for gold fill or higher or better. Gold plating tends to go a little bit orange if it's vermeil. Sometimes, not always. And that's my skin tone and coloring. But yeah, I'd be looking for stuff that lasts because I've had my jewelry. Actually, that's one thing that I didn't. I did give away hmm, probably 70% of my jewelry collection. But with the Bella Jess transition, I did keep the pieces that still felt personal and aligned to Bella Vita. Um, so some of the pieces of jewelry actually I did keep now that I think about it. Yeah, the, some of the rings and necklaces, there's probably about five necklaces I still have and about 10 rings, but they're 14 karat gold. And so they're very beautiful. Obviously I could have sold them if I wanted to, but those have remained with me. But the other rest of it, the, the stuff that wasn't solid, like 14 karat gold, not solid gold, but 14 karat, I didn't usually keep. And also I just don't like when it wears out. I think the pieces I have, I prefer to invest in, and especially traveling in a suitcase wardrobe, I can have a really nice, beautiful collection of jewelry and it doesn't take up a lot of space. It's not heavy to carry. So anyways, that's a random tangent on different things I feel about jewelry. Now we have 
G. Daleko, who said, Hi, Bella. I'm wondering about Unlimited Aligned Abundance course. Do I need to be proficient in inner voice? I only had one session so far. Is it better to develop better connection with the inner voice before taking the course? Thanks. Much love and gratitude. That's a great question. Unlimited Aligned Abundance was the class I taught this summer of 22 in London about abundance. It was a really fun course. I love it. We do. We added in a few extra little treats, like some astrology understanding of your chart and your spending and your saving patterns that are best in alignment for you. And also RTT with my friend Rachel, who was great to do a little session recording for everybody to help them understand and untangle maybe some old energy around that, but you do not need to be super proficient. You do not have to be an IVFT grad to do unlimited aligned abundance. In fact, I bet you'll get better at using your inner voice as you watch the coaching part of the calls, because you're going to see so many other people going into their inner voice and releasing beanbags that you'll probably kind of by watching them, you'll probably mimic the same inside yourself. So as you're watching those, do them with them. So as I'm asking them inner voice questions and those subjects relate to you and your own life as well, go inside and find your answers as well and release your beanbags as well. So that's a great question. No, you don't have to be super, super far along. That's fine. Just get the yes to taking the class. If you can get the yes that you're lit up from within and you feel like the inner voice says yes, literally, or if you feel like that feeling of, even if no one knew that I took this class, I would light up inside taking this class on my own that would be the reason to take it. It's actually really cute because I just saw, who was it? Someone in my Instagram has been, I think it's Amy Johnson, has been taking the class and loving it. She's been doing the evergreen of it and following along and then sending me little messages about her experience as she's been following the evergreen course of it. So if your intuition feels it's a fit, that's the course to take because it's bringing that intuitional fit. But yes, there you guys have it. Thank you guys so much as always. I thought it would be fun today. I'm curious to see what happens. Someone had asked me to do a little rampage, a little inner voice channeling for you guys. So Maybe I'll end on that. This is a big hodgepodge of flow diaries, Q&A. You got everything with me today. Oh my God, it's a long episode too. (laughs) Thank you so much for editing this, Anthony. Thank you, thank you. Okay, let me last, for a few seconds at least, do a little rampage. We appreciate you guys so, 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 so much. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Thank you for being with us in every single way, not just here, but also there. Where you're here, you're also there. Thank you for being here and the there all at the same time. Thank you for being everywhere that you are all at the same time. We appreciate you so much, so completely, so wholly. We don't need to define you by just this now reality. We also thank and honor the you that's yours and the other realities as well. Thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us here and there as well. Until next time, may something wonderful happen to you today.